Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information regarding New Hope, visit newhopecom.org. Uh, good morning. How is everyone? Yeah. Oh, how about a little louder? Yeah. Okay. Doing good. We had a good night of worship here last night for those who were able to come out. Uh, how many were out last night for it? Essence. Yeah, that was a lot. It was such a good night. And there's something really special about corporate worship times. Um, it's just awesome. So I think something got started here last night, so stay tuned. There's going to be other, uh, others of those coming uh, up shortly. Uh, but it's so good to worship together. And I got to tell everyone, I said, I didn't really, I, we have such a great team of leaders here. I just got to worship, receive, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. We get so busy with our normal lives, and, you know, I'm in business, and when I'm not here, I work in the business world, so I'm leading things, I'm in administrating things. All of you can relate with that. you got different activities, right? I mean, you got lives. We have families, kids, jobs, challenges, but it's so good to just come out and worship and put that stuff all aside and just, like, connect, Man, it's like us connecting our heart with the heart of the Lord. So I'm going to actually build on that a little bit here this morning. We're going to get into a story um, in the New Testament. What I'm going to share today I think is applicable to any person, uh, no matter how long you've been in the kingdom. If it's just been a few months for you, you're just starting to understand about Jesus and that he wants a relationship with us, uh, and you're learning to hear his voice, or maybe you never have, and you're going to hear about that today. Uh, or you've been saved for 30, 40 years in the kingdom. I'm going to share today, I think, one of the real keys um, to living an abundant and a fulfilling life. And I get asked a lot by people, you know, in the community or you're here, and they'll say things like, well, how, how have you stayed the course for all these years? Or how have you kept a passion for things of the Lord? Or you haven't gotten straight or gotten burnt out or whatever. And what I'm going to share today, I think, is the reason. So, um, so I would encourage you to take some notes, write some of the stuff down, um, you know, write down some of the references. I'm going to share some points later. But we're going to look at a story. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 2. Um, we're actually going to start on Luke 2, 21, okay? We're going to skip through some of this chapter. Uh, but we're going to start Luke 2, 21. And uh, so, and when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for the purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then we start to read, it goes on, and it starts to, you know, they're bringing after 40 days Jesus to the temple, um, you know, according to the, the customs of Jewish law. And there was a man named, uh, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he was looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him that by the Holy Spirit he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Okay, he was led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of, according to the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, and then he releases this amazing you know, prophetic word, essentially, just saying that it was a fulfillment of something that he was 
going after, that he was living to see. So we're not going to actually focus on that. I think Simeon's amazing, and uh, it's just a, a fantastic area. But we're going to skip down to verse 36, okay? You can read about that, Simeon and Anna. It's just it's a really one of those hidden gems, I think, in the New Testament. So verse 36, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At the very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all of those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So what we see is like such a powerful picture and a powerful convergence of people who were waiting to see Jesus who knew the Old Testament scriptures, who, who were waiting, they knew the times and the seasons, and they were worshiping, they were praying, they were believing to see something that they knew was promised, and they all converged at the same time. Simeon was there, they, they knew, they, they were there at the right time, the right place at the right time. Um, so I, I laugh too when I think about this. What we can see about Anna in this, if we're going to break this down a little bit, uh, I think we've seen the key to aging gracefully in the kingdom of God, in the life of Anna. You know, and I joke about that because um, one of our favorite um, DVDs is, some of you have seen the old Jerry Seinfeld, where it talks about some of the aging things, and he starts off talking about um, infomercials, and that if you stay up late enough at night, you will actually maybe want to buy a knife that can cut through a shoe. And if it's late enough, you actually might think, you know what, I need to buy that knife that can cut through a shoe. I need one of those. It cuts through shoe leather, you know. And at the same time, you know, we see those things of, you know, the, the miracle cream. So the, this was from the plant in France, and it's this really unique thing, and you, it's the newest thing for aging. Anything aging-related comes from France for some reason. I think the whole romantic concept of France. But just pay attention to it sometime, you know, see if I'm wrong. But anything you ever hear, aging, a cream, a this or that, comes from some unique plant that nobody knew existed before in France. For whatever reason, I don't understand that. But we don't need to do any of that stuff. I mean, you can if you want. You can waste your money. I'm just kidding. Um, but what we see here is a key to aging gracefully in the kingdom. Um, and I'm not going to focus on that, but I think it's really true, and there's a, there's a key in there. Uh, there's a vibrancy that she had. What we see about Anna is she was a prophetess, right? She was the only one mentioned in the New Testament. She was probably, okay, now wait for this. She was probably 105 years old. 105 years old. Yeah, um, you know, historians would say that she was probably married around the age of 14 or 15. Uh, she was married for seven years, it says, that we just read. And then she was widowed for 84 years. So she was probably about 105 years old when she saw her promise fulfilled, which is incredible. So, and we see that she never left the temple, which was, you know, she was, they, they, prob they figured that she probably actually lived there. I mean, she was a prophetess. She was looked at in that way. She would have been there. She would have been there worshiping all the time. She would have been praying. It says she was fasting. We see a vibrant woman of God, 
Someone who knew the times and the seasons, right? She knew the times and the seasons. She was going after something. She knew there were promises. She knew there were scriptures. She knew there were prophecies that she wanted to see fulfilled. And then we see that she started evangelizing to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. There was a group of people. We see that she was in community with people. So she was connected in with community because she started to go out and started to start sharing. You know, there were those, there was a community of people who were waiting for Jesus. There was a community that were waiting for the move of God in that time. They were waiting for the redemption of Israel, the restoration of Israel, someone that would free Israel from the captivity, uh, that would bring about change, that would bring freedom, that would usher in a new race of Jew and Gentile. Um, So what is amazing, I think, about her is, okay, she was drawn by the Holy Spirit. um, She was drawn by the Holy Spirit to the temple at the exact time of Simeon and those who were spending their lives looking for prophetic fulfillment in the move of God, okay? A lifestyle of worship and prayer actually positioned her to see her purpose fulfilled. You know, anyone see that in there? I mean, I don't know how else to read that. We, see, we get three verses of Anna in the Bible here. And we can mine a lot out of that and just infer a lot. So a lifestyle of worship and prayer positioned her to see her purpose, uh, purpose fulfilled. We all have one. We all have a purpose. We want to be utilized by God. And that's a very, very healthy thing. It's a very good thing. But prayer is the fuel, and worship is the path to a fulfilling life in the kingdom. And we can see glimpses of that here. Um, But let's focus on for a second what we don't know about her, okay? We we only hear three verses. What we don't know, and this is the things I wonder about when I struggle. Sometimes you can learn a lot by what's not said without putting, forcing things into the Bible. Um, but I always wonder, okay, did she, she was probably 105, did she struggle with her purpose in life? I would think she probably did somewhere in those decades, you know? She probably had some question at some point. The Bible doesn't mention anything about her kids, doesn't mention anything about her family. Uh, her siblings may have all passed away. She was 105, you know, um, you know, what I've heard from those who age, get into 90s, 100s, my grandmother, I used to hear from, is um, that you don't have as many people around your age by natural, obvious reasons. You, you start to, you know, your siblings, you might be the last one alive at that point when you're in your 90s. So there's something very special about that el- the elderly in the generation. Um, you know, right now we're in a time where we're, yeah, we don't have a lot of World War II veterans. I mean, they're, they're dying off at a, at a rate. And that's, that's sad, but it's obviously natural life. Um, but that's what happens. Is, uh, you know, you, so we don't know. We say she might have been feeling lonely. She might have feeling like insignificant at times. Maybe she didn't fit in in the normal temple life. Maybe she didn't make, work up the ladder like she wanted to. We don't know that. But what we see is a devotion to worship, to prayer, and to fasting that kept her right in the will of God for her life. Um, and I think that's incredible. And I'm going to diverge here for a second. You know, I, I'm 38. I live looking out 40, 50 years. I, I think about, like, for me, what the end of my life, what do I want to be remembered by? What do I want to be going after in my life? 
Um, you know, I don't think about it all the time, but it does come to my mind. Um, and I look at this story and I say, I want that to be me. I want to be known as someone who went after things, after the kingdom of God, who spent and had a lifestyle of worship, and who got so accustomed, and worship was so normal, such a normal part of our life, and that, that keeps you on the straight and narrow, that keeps you on the path of life. Does anyone see that in this? A lifestyle of worship and prayer, okay? So as I was reading that this week, the Lord said, here, we're a community of Anna's, right? We're a community of Anna's. Everybody has a purpose, has a passion. Um, many have had prophetic words spoken over your life, um, but we're a community that comes together that brings all that stuff together. But we're also worshiping, we're praying those things into existence, right? Uh, we see that through Anna, we see that through Simeon, that they, they knew they were looking for something, they were going after something, but they, they modeled this worship, this lifestyle of worship. Um, so, as a people, man, I say, let's devote ourselves to worship and prayer. I'm going to break that down a little bit. Jonathan talked last week about spiritually pulling in the move of God. You know, I wonder if they did that, if they were part of that, that they had been worshiping, they had been praying, and then there was a tipping point, and it was like they pulled in that move of God, and they were there at the right place at the right time. But you know what? We don't know. It doesn't say they were frantic. They weren't stepping over everybody in their call and their walk with the Lord. They were worshiping. They were praying. They loved the presence of God. Amen? Amen. They loved the presence of God. Let's break down worship for a second because I think sometimes um, I'm going to talk about worship right now in a broad sense. Worship, in my mind, and I think you can easily pull this out of Scripture, is living life from a place of awareness of the presence of God in our lives. Yeah. Right? Worship is living life from a place of awareness of the presence of God in our lives. It's not just what happens here, you know. Um, you know when you're going to work and you're caring for your family and your heart is to serve and to be faithful and to be the best worker so that you can provide, that is an act of worship, okay? You are worshiping. When you're a stay-at-home mom, and you are loving on your kids, and you are wrestling with those thoughts of, well, I gave up this, or I gave up that, I could have gone after this, but right now, I know I'm called to be you know, pouring into my kids and developing the next generation, that is worship, okay? That is worship. When I'm going Monday morning into work, a lot of times, and I'm driving a half an hour out to Victor, and I'm thinking, why am I doing this again? But I come back to say, okay, you know, this is something the Lord has given me. He's provision, he's given me influence in the community to serve, to extend the kingdom of God. God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to love it. I'm going to be the best worker I can be. That's worship, right? When you're going to a music conference, and you don't really want to go, and your hand hurts, right? and you, you are pushing through because you're a music therapist, that's an act of worship. You know, God loves that stuff. Um, we used to sing a song here. It was called, um, one of the lines was, He's in every minute. Anyone remember that song, He's in every minute? I really believe that. He is in every minute. Um, I, I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a pastor, a senior leader of this church. You know, I struggle with thoughts too. Even this week was a week where I was like, I needed to bring my thoughts into alignment with Christ. I was battling some confusion, just some fear or whatever. 
And I had to get that stuff and bring it into alignment. And sometimes when that stuff comes upon us, the best thing to do is just start worshiping. If you're in your car, put on some worship music. Start worshiping. Start, it clears the air. It cleared the air last night. You know, he, but uh, he is in every minute. So, um, so, okay, so we understand that. So worship from a broad sense, I'm going to leave that because I could spend, a, we could spend a year talking about worship in a broad sense that is living life with an awareness of the presence of God. I'm going to focus on a specific aspect of worship, though, now, which is uh, you know, personal and corporate worship times where we're purposefully connecting our hearts with the Lord's, often through song. That's not all worship is, but it certainly is, is an important part. We see it all in the Psalms. Uh, they, you know, David and the Psalmist, they were singing. These were songs that were sung. We see in Ephesians, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, singing spiritual songs to one another. So we see this all throughout the Bible. You know, they used to gather in the first century church, and they would sing, and they'd listen to a message. They met in homes at that time because uh, they were coming into years of persecution. They didn't have a huge church building at that point. Um, but they were worshiping. Um, so here's the thing. Again, a lifestyle of worship in prayer keeps you on track to fulfill your purpose in God, Right? It does. It's important. Everything can be fallen down around us, but if we keep our eyes fixed on him through worship, everything's going to be okay. I, I'm telling you, um, everything's going to be okay. You know, there's just something about, um, I, I can, you know, I'm married to my wife, right? Joy and I are married. You know, she works. She works at the University of Rochester during the week. Sometimes I might not see her for two days, two full days at a time, three full days uh, I used to travel for work, you know, all over the country. I'd miss her for a week at a time. We're still married, but there's something about going out on a date night and being able to look her in the face and hear how the week went and share your passions and your dreams with each other. That's what worship's like, you know? It's like when we come together, it's like, yeah, we're living out this worship life all week long, but when we come together and we're here on Sunday morning or like last night, we are purposely locking in purposefully connecting our hearts in a way that I can't do when I'm working with a client or doing a presentation or work or something. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's just different. So, but when I come here, I can focus in, I can connect my hearts with the Lord. And, um, and at first, you know, and sometimes people hear this and it's like, I don't know, I'm just not that type of person. I wasn't either. I, I don't know why the Lord put me in worship ministry because I'm not nearly as emotional or Jandre or these other people who can come up and it just pour their heart out so easily. But the Lord, for some reason, took me and put me in worship ministry, and I ended up being a worship director for 10 years. Uh, if I can do it, anybody can do this and connect in with the Lord. And um, it's like, you know, sometimes, okay, well, worship starts, what do I do, you know? Just, do, just close your eyes and connect into the Lord. You know, it's one of my keys. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but... Um, I think that we learn to train ourselves in times of worship. You know, I don't just come and plop down and just start looking around and checking out. You know, I actually purposefully come in and I connect. I close my eyes. I kind of get a little bit lost in worship, you know, and I think that's okay. And it's okay to feel things, too. Our God feels things. He gave us feelings and emotions. That's why you see, you know, certain people worship and they don't say anything. You know, maybe they sit in their chair that they're taking it all in or... Whatever, some people are like Ralph, where you always know where Ralph is in a worship service. 
You know, I know exactly where he is in the room every minute. So, <laughs> but that's why we love him. <laughs> so I just want to share a few keys, uh, and then I'm going to bring this somewhere uh, in a minute, but keys to cultivating a lifestyle of worship and prayer. Because here's the thing, we don't gather in a first century church like Anna did, right? Our lives do not revolve around the temple system like it did in first century Christianity. It's different. We have a normal church building, we have normal lives, we drive to church, we don't walk, we don't come on donkeys or camels or whatever they did. It's different. Um, we are the temple now, that, you know, we collectively are the temple, you know, we don't have a temple. Back in first century uh, in Judaism, their whole life revolved around the temple. They bought and they sold there. I mean, they bought their food there. They went and did their rituals. It's different for us. Um, you're welcome to come here every day and do you know, worship, but you don't have to. <laughs> we don't do that. I don't do that. Uh, I have a normal life, too, outside of here. Um, but here's five helpful keys. And write these down, because I really picked these as ones that I feel are some of the most important aspects of this. And this is coming from someone who's been in worship ministry for 25 years. I've played in a lot of worship services. I've played for a lot of different people. Many of us here have been in the same boat. Um, but it's a major key as to where, why I am where I am at today. And, um, and I think for so many here, you guys are going to relate with that too. Worship, but point number one, and this is a real practical one, in worship times, just start entering in before you feel like it. Okay? Does that make sense? Start entering in before you feel like it. Because you might never feel like it. And it's just the honest truth. There are times I just don't feel like it. You know, you might have had an argument with your spouse on the way in the car on the way to work or on the way to church. Or, you know, getting your kids out of you know, the house is a, is a, you know, act of God on a Sunday morning. I mean, I get it. We have four kids. We used to think, you know, it's easier for us now, but when our kids were really little, Joy and I were pastors, like, we were like the worship directors here, and we were actually saying, is it even worth it to go at all? Because it's so hard, you know, so I get it, you know, we, we've been there. But when you come in, you, you start to practice it. You just start entering in before you even, quote, feel like it. And then it's going to be easy for you over time. Uh, and I'll tell you, now I can come in, I can start entering in any style of music. Any, I, mean, I can enter in on almost anything. I remember I used to be, uh, one, one of the things I've learned in my Christianity is don't ever say that you don't like something or God can't use it because he will use that thing and he will surprise you. So, right? How many can relate with that? Don't ever say never, because the Lord just has a sense of humor, I think, and he will do that. I, uh, 15 years ago, 13 years ago, we were at a worship conference. They brought in a bluegrass band to do one of the nights of worship. And I was like, why would they do that? I'm from New York. I don't like bluegrass, right? I mean, it's like, what? Bluegrass? I mean, so... I was so irritated. I'm like, here all these people came down from the north to do this great worship conference and they brought in a bluegrass band for Saturday night because they like it. And I'm like, I am from New York. I don't you know, know, know the first thing about bluegrass or banjos or whatever. Um, but I'll tell you what, the Lord met me during that time and I still remember it. I ended up buying CDs. I came home with bluegrass CDs. <laughs> Ricky Skaggs. I listened to it for like the first two years. 
One of the songs ministered to me for years, like the words of this song. So, I mean, uh, yeah. So you might not find in my car today, but for a period of time, it was like, you know, Ricky Skaggs in my car, and, you know, everyone's like, why are you listening to that song? I'm like, I don't know, this one song really ministered to me. And it was like the life song, life song in my life for like two years, you know. Anyone have like that life song? You listen to something, it's like, this one really connects with me for a time period. Well, that one did. So, so anyway, so, so just start practicing it. Come on in here, and it's not a legalism thing, or you have to do it. If you, don't, you don't have to do this. I'm just saying, for, for me, I know I had to train myself for years just to start entering in. Just start worshiping. Close your eyes, connect, get a little bit lost. Don't think about everything. It's called a sacrifice of praise for a reason, because we are called to sacrifice something. Uh, point number two, I love this one. Worship aligns our heart with his. Worship, it sounds simple, but I'll tell you, keeping our heart clean and pure is one of the hardest things in the Christian walk. We're going to be forced to deal with it time and time again. I don't think you ever get to a point where you don't have to think about this. Um, Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. That was the Lord's displeasure with his covenant people Israel, saying they come near to me, they say all the right things, but their hearts are far from me. They're going through the rituals, they're doing all the right things that you need to do according to the 619 things that are talked about in the Old Covenant, different laws. They're doing that, but their hearts are far from me. We can be saved and be in the kingdom for 40 years, and our hearts can be far from his. So let's not ever let that happen. Our hearts like, are the source of the deepest dreams, devotions, um, you know, uh, things that we keep so dear to ourselves. And it's so important that we keep our heart aligned with his, right? And if something gets a little bit off, that's where you have friends that can say, eh, you might want to rethink that. That didn't come out quite right. You know, <laughs> help you get back on track, you know. Keep your hearts pure. Uh, keep, you know, bitterness and stuff out of there. Worship aligns our heart with his. When we start singing, immediately God sometimes brings things to my mind that, oh gosh, you know, Lord, I'm just giving that to you. The situation, I'm giving you that, you know. I'm, I'm, like Ralph talked this morning about an exchange. Exchanges happen all the time in worship. God can take something from you, and I can take his love in return. So it's a great thing. Um, so we see through Anna's life in number three that worship positions you to fulfill your purpose, okay? I said that earlier, but it's true. Your heart becomes one with his. Um, worship positions you to fulfill your purpose. A lifestyle of worship and prayer position you to fulfill your purpose. It might come about differently than what you thought, but the Lord will deal with you along the way through your time of worship and connection with him as you hear his voice. Number four, worship, and this one is so important. Worship, I picked this word very carefully, solidifies your sonship and identity in Christ. Okay? Worship solidifies your sonship and identity in Christ. Because, you know what, here's the reality. When we become saved, yeah, we know we're a Christian. We, we, we know we're now a believer in Christ, but that thing has to solidify in our life that we are actually a son. 
and that my identity is in my sonship in Christ, not on what I do, not on how well I live life, not on what I did yesterday or what I did wrong. Um, our sonship, our worship solidifies your sonship and identity in Christ. It solidifies during times of your personal connection and worship in the Lord. It becomes clear. When we sing all the songs that we do, those words become active in our life. That's what we want, is the words to become active. You know, um, so I'll leave that one at that. Number five, worship is the on-ramp, I'm sorry, worship is the on-ramp for the highway of transformation in the life of a believer. Worship is the on-ramp for the highway of transformation in the life of the believer, okay? Does that make sense? Uh, Our life in the kingdom, knowing Jesus, is a life of constant change and transformation. I mean, it should be nothing but that. It is a constant, it's a road of transformation. Worship puts you onto that road. It aligns you with being transformed. It facilitates transformation in our life. Okay, so worship is the on-ramp for the highway of transformation in the life of the believer. Uh, In our church, worshiping and honoring his presence is a priority. It really always has been. And I think we kind of come back to it at times, and God re-emphasizes it. And we're in a season of him re-emphasizing that. Um, that we, are, we have a high priority for, for the presence of God and a love for his presence. As a church community, I want to say we have a high value for the presence of God. You know, we, we, um, you say, well, why do we have to worship for 35, 40 minutes? Because sometimes it takes that long for us to actually enter in and encounter him. It doesn't just happen in five minutes, you know. Sometimes you've got to let things go. Uh, someone was talking last night or this morning about things falling off of people during worship, and that happens. Things fall off of you that shouldn't be there spiritually, and it takes time sometimes for that stuff to happen. Um, so I want to just kind of focus this here and um, bring, it, bring it to a point. Why am I sharing all that? Why am I sharing this? First of all, because I think personally, it's critical for life in the kingdom. It is critical for us fulfilling our purpose and staying the course as a believer in Christ. Uh, But it's also, worship and prayer are going to be the keys to get us to some of the places that I'm going to share here, okay? It's key to getting personal transformation in our life, in regional transformation. Uh, Any move of God is brought in through prayer and brought in through worship. You know, we can't bring regional transformation if you haven't had it personally in your life and if you haven't experienced it. So it starts with us. Um, We should be praying for it to extend to our families, right, to those that are in our families, those that are under our care. Uh, So it starts individually. Then we want to see it affect our family. We want to affect our place of work. We want to see it affect the region, Um, We've been doing something on Sunday mornings here. Wayne Cavuto actually was probably the primer and Jen for us to start doing prayer in the beginning of the service in the prayer room. And we've been having people that just start coming. Hey, we just want to pray. We want to actually imagine that novel concept. We just want to get together and pray. Pray for what God's going to do today. Pray in, you know, just the presence of God so that when people come walking through those doors, they feel something, that you feel the presence of God here and that the purposes of God happen, and we're pulling that stuff into us. So I encourage you, if that's something you want to get part of, 
every uh, Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, 9.15, there's a group of people gathering in there just to pray. These are like modern-day Annas, <laughs> right? Except you're not 105. I could insert a joke for a few people in that group. I'm not going to. But yeah, it's really not an age thing back there, though. Anna is really not an age thing. Um, but if that's you, and I just want to get behind it, God, I just want to be part of what you're doing, you know, come on out and start praying. Prayer is the fuel for us for this next season. Um, we had a prophet here in January, Mike Danforth, who shared some stuff. I want to just read a couple of the, these things. He, one of the things that he, the Lord showed him um, Everyone, were you guys here for that? The Mike Danforth, January prophetic? There was a lot of people that got personal prophetic words. The accuracy level was extremely high for the people that got them. If you got one, you know it. It, it was very, very powerful. Uh, some of the things he spoke over a New Hope uh, over a couple of these nights was he said there were going to be events happening at our facility that were going to bring media coverage into the facility, and he, pref and he did end it saying, in a good way. It's going to be positive media coverage. So <laughs> I was a little nervous there for a second, um, but no. Uh, so events happening at this facility at New Hope, they were going to bring media coverage in a good way to be covering good events, and they were going to be bringing a good report. You know, so that's one of the things he prophesied. He also said that barriers were about to be broken in the knowledge of God coming forth. He said this was New Hope's inauguration. This was back in January. It was the inauguration of a new season. The demonstration of the kingdom of God, of the knowledge of God. And that New Hope was going to be coming a hub in people being drawn into New Hope, even unknowingly. Uh, I've heard this so many times now from so many different people that I almost don't pay attention to it, and that's not a good thing. Um, but the Lord keeps saying that New Hope is a hub of, of activity, is going to be a hub of kingdom activity, uh, and it's, it's starting to happen. So, but we want to be praying this stuff in, right? It doesn't just happen on its own. Like, God, let's, we want to go after this stuff together, pull it and bring it into us, be praying and worshiping. Um, and our focus is on him. It's not on just all these other things, but I want all this stuff too, right? I mean, come on. If you, we all got prophetic words um, you, you want to bring those things in. You want to see those things happen, even the words over New Hope. Um, can we play, uh, this was a prophetic word. I just, I've played this before, but this was not even a year ago that we had this. This was from Harold Eberly, And I want to keep this in front of us very purposefully because we meet purposefully. So um, can you play that prophetic word? This is from Harold Eberly in April 2016. I think... Actually, while she's, while she's getting that up and going, Harold also said the next morning, after what you're going to hear, that this was going to be a place where there was a people coming forth to shake the earth, um, which is a very unique statement. I don't know that every church would hear that. And I don't mean that we're special in some you know, elite way, but that is a unique word, that there's a people coming forth here that are going to shake the earth. That means you're actually going to make an impact. You know, not just play church, but we're going to see transformation in people's lives regionally and beyond this place. So if you have that word, you can play that, okay?
Maybe it's really quiet and I just can't hear it. Can you all hear it? No, no, okay. We're still waiting. It's coming. It's going to okay, be worth the wait. I, I promise you that. <laughs> no, many of you have heard it before. Okay. Second worship time. First, I turn it up. Voice of the Lord. He was saying, "What do I have to do to cause you to believe? Can't you see around you what I've brought together? Who I've moved into positions? Why would it not work? I promise you, this time it will, and it will endure. What do I have to do?" to reveal to you my plans for the future, to think bigger than you are right now. It's time now. It's time now to believe in what I'm doing. Believe it has a purpose. Because I don't build a foundation without building on it. Think bigger. Think bigger. Think bigger. It will work now. Betrayal is past. You warred through the seasons of the past and paid the price and have established yourself in who you are. Now, now, prepare yourselves for harvest and a wind of blessing upon you. Live in it, live in it, live in it, live in it, and enjoy it, because I've been speaking to you about it. I don't want you to sit watching. I want you to believe and step into it. This is my will. Watch and see. This is what I'm doing among you. In Jesus' name. Uh, that's good. That's good. Harold knew nothing about us, literally, when he heard that word. I mean, a lot of times these you know, speakers come in and we might get just a few minutes with them ahead of time or something, or we take them out to dinner the night before, and we never talk about church stuff. It's usually just connecting a little bit personally. So they knew nothing about our history. Uh, a couple years, uh, one year before the word you just heard, Harold had said this was a uh, season that God was adding families. That started happening. Growth started happening here. Um, I think when we start hearing these words, we want to keep these in front of us. And it's for each of us to be praying for, right? That we each have a burden for this, to see, because it's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than joy. It's bigger than our leadership team. Um, It starts with each of us individually, contributing, praying, getting involved in worship, uh, worshiping the Lord for your own personal edification, transformation, but going after the things that the Lord is saying. You know, I, I don't want to go up to heaven at some point, you know, whenever he calls me home and he says, you know, I said all these things and you didn't do them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't, that would be like the worst thing ever. I don't think he would say that, but uh, I, I, I want to be one who, God, you've said it, I'm going after it. And I'm aligning my heart with your ways and your purposes. And that's going to affect every area of my life very simply. Um, I want to just kind of close this morning just in a worship. I asked Jen to, you know, and the team to come on up and do kind of one of the songs that we did last night. And, um, you know, what I saw this morning happening is, you know, there's nothing magical about coming up front and worshiping, you know, but I think Will said it best last night is that, um, and, and I'm not looking for a response out of this. If it's in your heart to do it, great. If you'd rather worship at your seat, be released to do that. Um, but and I agree with him on this point, he shared, is that when you've had major encounters in your life with the Lord, or you got, uh, the Lord really spoke to you or ministered to you in times of worships, very often I was up front because it took something to get up there. 
And I got out of my seat, and I changed something, and I went after it. So my, my heart for us is that whatever you do, you can sit and do it, but go after it. And when we, even when we worship, you know, um, do something different. You know, respond, respond to the Lord. Um, yeah, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's one of my favorite scriptures of all time. Um, you know, he, he's not like other gods that you can never get close to him. Um, we don't worship to get close to God. We worship because he's close to us, and he came close to us, which there's no other God in any of the history of religions that is like that. So, um, so let's just pray. And, and uh, if you want, you guys, you want to start playing it quietly. Um, Lord, you know, I just, um, even as a leader here, Lord, I give you my heart today, Lord, in a fresh way. And Lord, that represents all of my hopes, all of my dreams, all of, you know, things that I feel that are deep within me. And Lord, I just say, even on behalf of us, Lord, I, I want us to be aligned for the purposes of God and what you want to do. And Lord, I give you my heart in a fresh way today, Lord. Um, you need even a fresh alignment this morning and hey you got a little off track or, or whatever you know just worship the lord god is forgiving he's waiting for you to respond to him he's not sitting holding back waiting for you to change he actually loved us before we knew anything and uh, he loves you right now just the way you are if you want to come up front and worship and just we're going to sing the song together and just say hey today is a new day that I, I am like putting a stake in the ground today to say that, Lord, I am not going to be a complacent Christian doing the same thing every single day, but, Lord, I'm going to go after the things that you've said and not out of place of legalism or orphan-heartedness or a total lack, but, Lord, we want more. We want to experience more. We want to experience more of your goodness. We're not going to settle. You want to come up and worship with us this morning we're just going to sing this song and just kind of let the lord have his way here thank you for joining us for this week's message 